You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is To Stir With Love with Rabbi Yitzchak Kolkowski, the chief chaplain in Weimar Prison, Pennsylvania, and also, of course, a, a rov, a chosid. Yitzchok, I had a number of complaints. Where were we last week? What happened? There's been no to stir. I got so I got I, stuck I, in the snow. <laughs> and and then you lost my number and and um, yeah. so we did not have we we didn't have our Hanukkah program which um, we had planned. I planned on it, but I, I yeah. Yes, so uh, I even watched the movie to get ready for it. Yes, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm Baruch Hashem. You were, you know, there is a shyly, you know, whether, whether you should, what you should do for that first half hour, you know. So maybe, you know, you could, uh, as the the nearest were burning, Yitzchok was readying himself for uh, this great avenue of Harvatsa's Torah that we have. But Yitzchok, I know, okay, we didn't do Hanukkah. We're going to talk. Well, why don't we fuse Hanukkah and, um, Let's just say it in Christmas, because we know that that is uh, the event that um, this whole week is building up to, which uh, in, in, in the secular society, in the Christian society that we live in, uh, it's been building probably since, the, since um, uh, for sure, since Thanksgiving, maybe even earlier. And, you know, with such a difficult year uh, from so many, um, I get the sense that, you know, despite all the warnings of family get-togethers and worries over the spread of the coronavirus during um, meetings of families during Christmas and traveling. But I think that um, knowing that this still is a Christian country primarily, this is a day that there's going to be a lot of contemplation. There's going to be a lot of relief. There's going to be a lot of beseeching, uh, a lot of perhaps uh, trying to turn the page, trying to uh, come up with uh, an attitude and a solution. Uh, we, we can't deny, as, as much as we are Orthodox, Chassidisha, Yeshivisha, Frum, B'nai Teira, that there is something that's happening uh, in the mindset of our non-Jewish friends and neighbors. And those things are, I, I think, important to take note of. And, and I know that that's for sure true in the prison, right? I mean, you're talking about a place where people, uh, they're not happy. They're suffering. They they realize the difficult lives, uh, and, and maybe mostly from their own mistakes. But I'm sure um, I'm sure Christmas means a lot for the prisoners. Why don't you describe a little bit for some of us who you know who are not only foreign to Christmas but also foreign to life in prison? Sort of give us a little bit of a, a background of what it's like uh, Christmas in prison. Well, well, certainly as chaplains we have a very strong obligation and responsibility in our Make sure that that uh, the guys don't get too depressed because that's really a major part of our ministry in the prison. You know, for example, you know, to we visit the, the whole, the restricted housing unit or in the, in the uh, federal prisons they call a special housing unit, the prison within the prison. And there's a special ministry there all the time, all year long, to really make sure guys are not committing suicide. You know, that's a, you know, that the fact that we have to make rounds there on a regular basis just to, um, to check in on the guys, make sure they're not too depressed. And 
you know, they're more likely to confide in a, in a chaplain than in a, a correctional officer or guard who might be kind of picking on them or something. So it's, it's, a, it's a big achrayas all year round. And when it comes to the holiday season, it's a time of the year when all around, not only in prisons, but on the street as well, when there is a very high level of depression and suicide. And so, therefore, it's certainly an achrayas to bring that Christmas cheer into these people's lives in prisons and in mental hospitals and other institutions uh, in order to really save their lives. It's mamish fatzolus nefoshes that we're in. In, in other words, it probably and, would occur, I'm just sorry for interrupting, but I'm just, just to clarify, they're so used to, you know, their memories of what Christmas should be, and here they are in prison away from their family, not able to celebrate, the sense of dissonance might be so strong that they're, they're so upset, especially during Christmas, when it can't be anything like what they remember, and they could actually lead to ending it all, especially if they don't see their parole coming up, right? I think that's what you're, that's what you're referring to. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's a, an important ministry that we do. And so I always went out of my way every year to make sure I'd be on the grounds on Christmas Day, just like the Christian chaplains are there on Pesach or on Rosh Hashanah to make sure the Eden can do whatever mitzvah sayyim there are, um, you know, that I can't be there to serve. Although I, I did in the federal prison um, spend Yom Kippur twice uh, inside uh, in the federal prison because we had a minion there and we had a safer Torah there. So we're able to, to really have a regular davening. And uh, uh, here in the Baruch Hashem in Weimar, we don't have a minion and, and we don't have a safer Torah either. So I, I, that's not something I would consider doing really in Weimar, um, spending so, a kipper there, but it's something I've done. But, but in general, on Christmas, I plan to be there, and sometimes the imam will be there as well. So the Christian chaplains could have, the, have a break. They could have the day off. So the, the Catholics will have their mass, and the Protestants will have a church service on Christmas Eve generally. And then um, on Christmas Day, We'll have what we call the Christmas Fellowship. That's what we have in the in the uh, in the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. We have it doesn't have to be on Christmas Day if you don't have coverage. But the fact that we do have coverage, I was always mahadr to have it by the yom on Christmas Day. That just the, all the Christian guys could get together, whether they were Protestant or Catholic or some other expression, Mormon or something else. Um, and just get together and they sing Christmas songs and maybe and, one and, of them and, has and, a message. And so even though there isn't an official priest or minister there, but Rabbi Kolakowski would be there uh, watching and making sure that uh, proper discipline, decorum, and being a religious presence um, and, uh, and and watching them sing and I guess trying to fuse together sort of like a um, uh, various customs from where they were coming from. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Um, we all know uh, it's in our show notes uh, on your biography that, um, although, of course, you are a chassidah shiyid and a, you know, mamish oduk to chassidahs and to the yisoidahs of the Balshemtev, but we know that you were raised in, in, in your home by your mom and dad. Your dad was a Roman Catholic and, um, so Christmas is really something that you celebrated when you were growing up, right? It was something that, that you know about. 
and and I'm just wondering yeah, that we... I'm just I'm just wondering that maybe your your Christmas experiences, although of course you've 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 turned your back on them totally and completely, and you're completely odic to the Torah of the Rebbeinu and of course you reject any sense of of, of Jesus as Mashiach, or but those memories and, and life that you had probably help you in terms of understanding how important Christmas is and relating to the, 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 the prisoners there, right? Well, absolutely. I mean, we didn't have such a religious Christmas. I mean, I think sometimes my father would go himself to church and maybe my sisters. I never remember going to church on Christmas, but I definitely remember we celebrate both Hanukkah and Christmas. We'd always... Uh, yeah, I remember waking up and getting the presents and the Christmas tree and everything, and then going to my grandparents, my father's parents, and you know, had an Italian grandmother and a Polish grandfather, and uh, you know, we had good food and we see all our cousins and everybody, and I, and I have very warm, positive memories of that. And we, but we always we kept Hanukkah too, and we'd go to the Bubby and Zadie for <laughs> Hanukkah left also. We we were we would do both, and then. Uh, same thing I remember, you know, would be uh, Pesach and... Uh, and Easter. And, and Easter, Pesach would overshadow because we kept even, no matter what happened, we always kept kosher Pesach. That was one thing in my house. <laughs> Your dad was all right that. with that. Your father was okay with not yeah. eating. He, he he didn't sneak out to uh, well, get a... Well, he had yeah, his own or, food. Or he had... Yeah, but, but you know, but but he he was very supportive. He, he he kind of pushed my my mother to be a little bit more religious. He was like, you know, why don't you go to synagogue once in a while? Or so you know, he would he would kind of pick on her to to be a little bit more religious, and he encouraged me to be to be religious. Uh, At the same know, time, uh, he didn't want you to reject the uh, the Christian faith. He just wanted you to absorb both, did, he, right? Or he didn't he, he didn't, didn't care. care. He, he he wanted me to do something, you know. Where, whereas <laughs> you know, my mother grew up from, but kind of became more liberal in her ideas now she's very proud of me but she was she I remember she would tell me you know I want you to believe in yourself you know that was kind of what she would would say but now she's very proud so of did me. did you believe in the uh, the man in the, in the red suit did you believe in him I believe in Santa Claus I yeah. I maybe at some point I think I might have you know yeah. when I was young I you know we definitely my mother would even bring me to go see Santa Claus in the mall I remember one time we went to a I think this might impress uh, uh, Rabbi uh, uh, Bechhofer. There was one place <laughs> we went to Long Island in the 90s. Uh, it was a uh, a garden store, and the Santa Claus who was there was was an African American woman dressed as Santa <laughs> Claus, uh, there for all the kids. And I, I I found that to be a little bit different and interesting. But I we that was a memory that I have. Uh, you didn't sit on. You don't remember sitting on her lap and asking for presents. Not, though. not that one. But I remember other Santas. Uh, <laughs> I yeah. remember, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, when you talk about Jungian uh, psychology and uh, and archetypes, you know, in a certain sense, uh, one, one of my rebbeim says, "Of course, Santa Claus is real because it's a real idea," and you know, people. Uh, are connected to that, you know, so there, there is. Yeah, well, I think there's something, I think there's something to be said of developing an, an iconic image. Now that is, 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 is completely benevolent. Now the question is, of course, what do you need that when you have a Jesus who is obviously the most benevolent being possible since Jesus is God. But I think Santa allows 
a, a little more connection to a child because you know Jesus is sort of God and a human at the same time. Isn't it great that there's sort of this uh, saintly figure, this incredibly wise, jolly? Uh, you know, instead of an old curmudgeon, you get a person of great age and great wisdom, childlike, understanding. Um, it's almost like, you know, it's, it, it, it allows a connection to a Rebbe, right? It's almost like uh, it's a... Yeah, and struck us also in the, almost a Strymo. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I was never really connected to Jesus uh, growing up. That was not, but Santa I was definitely connected to as, as a child, but Jesus was not part of my world at but, all. Well, again, because Jesus, uh, just, you know, being serious for a minute, is theologically very difficult to, to comprehend for a child and even for an adult. You know, yeah. is it is it you know the is it you know is the the Holy Ghost, the Spirit, God? It's all like you know combined in a theological puzzle. Whereas you know Santa, who is sort of you know Saint Nick or you know some sort of semi-mythical figure, you know, yeah, it's all about toys, right? About toys, and of course there's another element of being uh, being a good, good person, being nasty, and. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. be good for goodness sake. You know, I, 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 that's one memory I have watching some kind of a cheesy Christmas show about, it was like almost a pseudo documentary about Santa Claus. And one guy talking about the profound idea of being good for goodness sake, not being good just to get the toys, but for goodness sake to be good and mm-hmm. the, the meaning behind that. And, and, you know, you mentioned the wisdom, which is something I never really thought of with Santa Claus, but, with my other, today is also Yule, and the uh, pagans, you know, they, they, some of them theorize that the Santa Claus archetype comes from Odin, who was known for his wisdom, you know, and so, and also had a long white beard and all of that, and that maybe, you know, that archetype, you know, the church brought into with their Saint, Saint Nicholas, you know, who was the patron saint of children, um, I believe he was from from uh, from Turkey. I think he was actually on the Council of Nicaea. So he was he was a pretty major figure, Saint Nicholas. And I know he's he's revered both in the Catholic and the Orthodox tradition. He comes from before the uh, the, the Great Schism there. So, but still, that how that was in the Germanic lands. You know, they took this Turkish saint and kind of you know, morphed it into uh, from Odin, you know, molt, you know, brought together St. Nicholas and Odin into this one figure of Santa Claus, which really the Santa Claus we know was, was invented by Coca-Cola. It's not even. Uh... <laughs> right. So clearly, I mean, a lot of the, um, the trappings of, 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 of what becomes religious iconog- iconography uh, was really crafted in many ways by uh, savvy capitalists who really knew how to tap into it and, and, and to create this. But I, I, even though, you know, despite the fact that you have the sav- savvy uh, capitalism behind it, you know, it still is invested by the people who are enveloped in it with great significance and great love and great emotion. And I think, again, just to beat a, a dead horse or a dead reindeer, I would say is, is that you, in a way, are, are, are gifted 
unlike many of us, including myself, you know, who find, you know, like a, a sense of guilt, you know, enjoying, you know, a Christmas jingle or, you know, or, 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 or some of the music that you hear, you know, when you well, go. They're all written by Jews. <laughs> right. But still, when you hear the, you know, when you hear some of that, uh, when, you know, when you hear, um, uh, you know, uh, whatever, whatever it is, chestnuts or any of those incredible songs, which have such longevity, we sort of bristle and say, oh, you know, I can't listen to this. Because of your past and because of the, because of how well adjusted you are with your past, I think it allows you to minister properly uh, to the people at the you know in the prison, understanding how important that day is, and you're not just condescending and you know and, and looking at them askance. And I think you're looking at them and look, you're not going to sit there and sing carols with them, but you understand why they must sing the carols and how important it is to them and how important it is. To, to be there and, and, and like you say not to not to fall into the depths of loneliness and I and, and I, what I, I, I think they're running stone for that it's it's Hashkocha Pratis you know the the big thing you mentioned Teresa Balshemtov everything's Hashkocha Pratis so even something as I keep in the Klippus something like this but that that's where I came from that's uh, that I'm able to bring something good out of that I think it's you know I wouldn't be who I am if I wasn't who I am you know i am sure i am sure as uh and i think that uh you know to 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 sort of paraphrase the another great um jewish creation um i think cigar was jewish uh the uh edward cigar the creator of popeye but that's i i am who i am so i think that um you are definitely uh uh in that sense you can toot your horn as far as that goes <laughs> a, little, a little popeye reference um so this now let's get to the um now that we we, we talked about understanding what's going on and and not dismissing completely um these events that are happening this weekend in terms of christmas in terms of what's important um what do you got for us in terms of the uh of uh, your films you said you were watching some mifun, getting some movies ready so give us your hanukkah slash uh, semi christmas uh, movies that you think uh, uh are interesting appropriate and can somehow uh uh, bring forth that spirit of of, of Hanukkah uh, that we sort of passed over. But let's hear. Well, you know the, the the thing about Hanukkah movies is there are very few Hanukkah movies, and almost none of them are any good. And uh, the great majority of them try to meld together something with Christmas and Hanukkah, and, and are pretty lousy and and have a pretty negative uh, message, as far as I I can see. But uh, Rabbi David Beshevkin from NCSY, he writes a lot on Twitter, and he wrote about uh, how he discovered, he didn't know that in 2003, the Disney Channel had a TV movie called Full Court Miracle, uh, about it's a, a Hanukkah movie. And I figured, you know, let me, let me give it a try. I have Disney Plus, because I, I like The Simpsons and Star Wars, and those are all there. And and I, I and I enjoy some of the older Disney movies, Absent-Minded Professor, stuff yes, like that. Yes, yeah, it was actually one of my um, one of my honorable mentions that I didn't get a chance to talk about in terms of wedding movies and the Absent-Minded oh, yeah. Professor. Because I was thinking of that too. That was yeah, because I, 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 that was that, on my mind. Right, that was a yeah. That's definitely a movie that uh, begins with a almost wedding and ends finally. Uh, Frederick McMurray yeah. finally ties the knot at the end. But yeah, yeah. but that was. So, yeah. Yeah, that is, I, I would say it's uh, the absent-minded professor also has two other very great Jews in it that's worth watching, um, father and son team actually. Yeah, um, the win. 
the Wynn boys. You have uh, yeah. you have Keenan Wynn yeah. playing his typical villain, and <laughs> a great great cameo from Ed Wynn. And yeah. and and by the way, oh, just no. you know, because he plays the fire chief who comes in there. Yeah. Now, oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if 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 you know a little bit about the um, development of that film, Ed Wynn by that time um, was losing his memory. Um, you know, okay. suffering from the beginning of dementia, or at least or something like that. So he couldn't remember his lines. <laughs> Everything that he said there was completely uh, was completely ad libbed. All his lines in uh, the absent-minded professor as the as the fire chief of the town as completely uh, completely uh, completely ad libbed there by really one of the wonderful talk about a, a loving figure like a Santa Claus lovable figure. Yeah. I don't think any Ed Wynn is is. You, you gotta love Edwin. You gotta well, love him. He 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 was in a Twilight Zone episode. One of, the of course, the Pitchman. Right, that was of course yeah. where he where he plays the Pitchman, the Pitchman for the ages, where he has to yeah. he, he has to again he's, he he gives up his life to to save the soul to save a child. There's a child I think gets hit by a car, right? There's something like that. Yeah, I think so. And he That's makes a deal. Things. He makes a deal with the Malachim of us. Yeah. Right. That was it was it was an episode written by Rod Serling himself, and um, you know Edwin has to Edwin has to pitch why he's a better, even though he's going to die, that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful irony and and beauty and yeah. Edwin Oliver Shalom, really Oliver Shalom, yeah. really a great, 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 uh, <laughs> almost un. You can't even categorize him. But go ahead. What, so you said the Disney movies. You have the um, you like. The miracle, full court miracle. Full court miracle, and it's an uh, interesting movie. It's about a a uh, an ex NBA player who is recruited by a failing yeshiva basketball team to coach their their uh, basketball team because they never won. It's it, it it's supposed to be a yeshiva in Philadelphia. And uh, they they invite this uh, basketball coach. He's trying to get back into the NBA, and he's away from his his wife and son. And uh, he they, the the Rosh Hashiva there invites him over for for a Shabbos dinner. And he you know he sees the gefilte fish there, and uh, he asks for a, a cup of milk. And he said, "No, you can't have milk." And then they bring him into the yeshiva, and he said, "Oh, I feel like a gefilte fish out of water." But it, <laughs> I see. It gets a little better, you know, at first, you know, you're thinking, oh, this is going to be pretty bad. And it's not that good, but it's not as bad as, as I thought. And it, uh, it, it's pretty engrossing, actually. And it's, it's, uh, it's endearing. Well, well, sure. Look, it sounds like it takes the typical underdog story and uh, everybody loves, you know, whether it's Rudy or Hoosiers or any of these sports films where, or the Bad News Bears, where you yeah. take this team of, uh, you know, of obviously sad sacks, and then you have the great montage, and uh, they come back, and I'm sure that, uh, yeah, and it, it and Hanukkah features in it as well. There's probably some menorah lighting in there. Yeah, and the, the story is actually that you know they're learning about the history of Hanukkah, and they compare this basketball coach to be kind of their Judah Maccabee. That's kind of the theme that uh-huh. runs through it, and at the end. Uh, there's some, you know, the miracle that happens kind of tries to mirror the uh, the miracle of of the oil. Yeah, You don't want to give too much away. I I don't think yeah. you're not going to tell me that there was like eight overtimes 
and they finally no. won the game. No, that didn't happen. No, that, All no. right. So that's no. something for people who have Disney Plus because Disney definitely is buying up all those. You can't get them anywhere else. So you have to pay Disney the cash to be able to see their empire, anything that's in their empire. Unless you're one of the Mandalorians, maybe then you could break in and watch them some other place. But go on. That, that's, a, that's another Disney Plus reference, by yeah. the way, the Mandalorians. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what's your other uh, – uh, what's one of your other highlights – for Hanukkah for next year. <laughs> One of my favorites that, that I saw back in high school in Ezra Academy when I did go to Yeshiva High School, um, and they are both on YouTube, uh, were made by uh, Yehuda Wurzel, who actually, his wife was our Hebrew teacher at Ezra Academy. I think, they, I don't think they were married at, the, at that time, but I think they were married later. But so it was, we actually had a connection there. And the First one, I think, was made in the late 70s and the second, the early 80s, or maybe they were both from the 80s. I believe they're both from the 80s, actually. Uh, the first is an animated uh, film about a half hour long, narrated by Judd Hirsch and features Leonard Nimoy as a uh, Greek uh, soldier or figure. Uh, it's called Lights, and it's basically the story of Hanukkah told over in a stylish way. It, it starts off with the uh, Alexander the Great coming into Yerushalayim and, and Shimon Tzadik coming out with the Big Day Kahuna and how they developed a friendship and then how things turned south, you know, later. Well, the, voice, the voice talent sounds impressive. Unfortunately, a lot of the animation from that period is really sort of, um, it was before really the, you know, the... Uh, uh, the animation got a little more sophisticated. There was no CG. So it's probably pretty wooden, right? The animation It's probably, uh, it, 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 it sort of looks like masters, masters of the universe, He-Man type style. Well, that, that was one of my favorites when I was a kid. I had all this, <laughs> it, it, it's endearing in a certain way. And the way that they managed with the limited animation still to make it like one, one theme and motif they bring is, you know, the lights of the Torah, you know, coming down from Harsinai, and these are olive bays that are moving, they're like flickering lights, and then those are the letters of the olive bays, and then the Greek letters are cold and sterile and, and make a metallic sound when they hit the floor, and the comparison between these two lights, between the light of Torah and the light of, of the Chachmas uh, Yavonis, even though I know that Chachmas Yavonis means something else, it's a, it was the sign language, but you know, colloquially we'll call it, you know, in the comparison between how at first, you know, in the time of Alexander the Great, these two lights were able to live together in peace and, and harmony. And then when the, uh, in the time of Hanukkah, it became a Muhammad between the two and the, uh, and, you know, the struggles between that. So and, I, I, what I hear you saying uh, between the lines is that it's not your typical uh, American mashup where it just becomes about Jew, religious freedom and liberty, there's still an element of true um, Torah values there about what, you know, despite, and again, they, you know, so in, in that sense, although the film was um, disseminated uh, through a religious organization, it was uh, through a Chabad-like organization or through some sort of Kirov organization. I heard about it, of course. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I remember this is not on the YouTube version, but on the VHS, I remember at the end, Judd Hirsch comes out and he's advertising a cure of organization called Gesher. Mm -hmm. And he explains that Gesher means bridge and uh, 
So I think that was who distributed this was this organization called Gesher. I believe it was made in Eretz Yisrael. But it, uh, well, I'm glad to see Judd Hirsch did something besides playing Alex Rieger in Taxi, because I think yeah. uh, the rest of his film roles, I don't think really uh, merits too much. Um, I know that we... I know, I know he, he played Dracula, the, the night Dracula saved Halloween. There's another Disney Channel. Uh, I that see. one's... Not, I see. Really well, hard. you know, I'll take him as Alex Rieger every day. I'd love yeah. to have Alex Rieger as a good friend. And, <laughs> he, and, definitely, and... he definitely plays a very war, a great Jewish listener. Uh, in uh, in taxi, and I think he he deserves he deserves again uh, uh, again you, you can't I mean you, you got to mention Latka I mean once we're talking about yes. Hanukkah and Jewish yeah. actors you got to mention Andy Kaufman I'm saying yeah. Andy <laughs> you know Andy Kaufman was incredible incredible really his little his little foreign man that he turned into this uh, character called Latka which is obviously um, yeah. Yeah, I have to say that Nebuch, all of a show of Chavala da Avdin, that uh, uh, that he's no longer with us. Um, yeah, he, he said he created that character when he was being mugged in the subway once, and that's how he got out of being mugged was by uh, by claiming pretending he didn't speak English. That's thank you, thank I, you, thank you very much, thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> but, uh, I, I I have to say I cared a little bit less for Carol Kane though. I could I could I could have done without Carol Kane as. Um, as Simcha. Again, you have Latka and Simcha. I mean, you can't get you can't get more. And again, Carol Kane, of course, uh, uh, I think her first Hollywood film, she spoke Hester Yiddish. Street. I think she was in Hester Street. Hester Street. Yes, Hester yes. Street. Yeah, she was yes. the lead in Hester Street. Right, right. But yeah. the, you, um, which is also on, on YouTube, I believe. But the yeah. Uh, yeah. The, uh, the, same, the same Yehuda Wurzel made another Hanukkah. It wasn't exactly a Hanukkah movie, but it was about the the Hashmanoim called the Eighth Day, and it's more also a Kirov movie. What they call it, I remember Norsemeach when they showed it again. You know, I'd seen it in Ezra Academy, and then I saw it again in Norsemeach. I remember one of the Rebbeim there saying that you know this is what we call a trigger film because it, you know it ends off with you know it's supposed to make a discussion afterwards, and it's a little bit shorter, maybe it's fifteen twenty minutes long. And it's called the Eighth Day, also from the mid eighties about. Uh, a woman who has a, a baby during the times of the Hanukkah story and her husband is from the Nisyavnim and she wants he should have a bris and her husband doesn't want Bishamoifin and the whole the whole story of how they find this one guy who her husband went to to university with and he was a physician and he became a uh from he became a a Maccabee and the whole uh he's one of the he's you know, at this point operating in secret right because this is before the yeah. open revolt uh-huh. yeah so he has to so he makes a bris secretly in the whole discussion they have and you know it's a, more of a simple also made in Israel, but all the actors seem to have british accents which i, I not, i'm not sure maybe those were the guys they found in the kibbutz to make this movie but it was again it was a movie that brought out you know orthodox jewish values um was not as good, maybe as lights, not and you know, not as. Uh, but it's I, I I always enjoyed that one, and it's uh-huh. and again. It all right, so that's available. all right. So those are those three uh, three options. I might have a hard time uh, uh, finding. You know, you know, you you know. In my uh, program notes, I always hyperlink uh, things to all the things, all the movies that we discuss. So I might have a hard time scratching those out of the barrel. Um, I'm going to suggest a, a film that sort of 
bridges everything we've been talking about. And in some ways, I actually used this film when I was teaching um, sociology. Uh, I used this episode of Rod Serling's Night Gallery from 1971. I think Night Gallery ran, I think, two or three seasons, and this might have been in the second season of Night Gallery. Um, we, we mentioned, of course, uh, one of his classic Twilight Zone episodes earlier. Uh, Rod Serling, of course, was raised as a Jew. And uh, it was very much a Jewish fellow. Uh, eventually, he felt that he moved away from Judaism to a more Unitarian, and he, you know, uh, sort of identified, sort of, sort of like a Christian, actually. Uh, but you know, he he remembered very fondly and and distinctly uh, his Jewish uh, heritage, his life. Um, his his wife He's was Jewish. In a Christian ceremony in a Christian cemetery. Yes, that's true. But his wife was Jewish. And his father, of course, was a Jewish uh, tradesman. Uh, Binghamton, New York, was a city that many, many um, uh, uh, Jews, refugees coming from Europe ended up in. It was a was a very big factory town at that time. So Binghamton actually had a pretty, very strong uh, Jewish, uh, I guess, close, pretty, not that far from where you are, really, actually, right? Binghamton's probably what, about two hours from you? Hour and a half. Right, yeah. So anyway, Rod Serling, of course, um, uh, you know, was entrenched very much in Jewish values. I think he he felt that uh, many of his themes, although were not overtly religious, were very connected to the religious uh, Jewish motifs of changing the world, of tshuva, of owning up to your averus, of uh, you know, mida uh, his belief in a higher power. All those things, I think, made that way into the Twilight Zone episodes that he wrote and that he was involved in and many of the other screenplays. But this actually is the most Jewish thing he ever did, uh, where he actually uh, it stars Edward G. Robinson in one of his, uh, one of his last uh, roles. Um, he was nominated for an Emmy, he did not win. Um, um, and uh, he plays a seemingly a dying Jewish man uh, who is taking care of a very secularized grandchild who knows very little about Judaism, but... Um, uh, in some ways uh, is still under the auspices of his grandfather, who is sort of like a, uh, a Moscow type of Jew, sort of a, a man with a beard, but still very aware of uh, all different cultures, not just uh, Jewish cultures. Um, reads the New York Times and you know, pontificates about all different sorts of things. But the, the story concerns the fact that uh, they're taking his grandson away uh, because he's not well enough to take care of him. And, um, the story, of course, uh, deals with th- like three generations of Jews. It deals with uh, Edward G. Robinson, the immigrant, uh, uh, Goldman, who's the uh, Im- immigrant, and it also has Tony Roberts in a very interesting role as the uh, very loquaciously, of course, Rod Serling's characters uh, can't stop talking. <laughs> you know, he has all his characters who going on and on, and he's sort of like um, the uh, the fellow who gives you the um, expositor yeah so tony roberts is sort of this expositor who describes what's going on being a modern jew today and what does it mean uh, to live uh, connected to parents who were part of that old country and of course the the grandson is part of this new world that rod serling seems to be very happy about which is a world where christianity and judaism and is all just fusing together uh yafet kodo uh, who those of you that um, um, I believe he was a uh, um, in, in quite a few films, including I think the first Alien, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was also right. I think he was in the. 
I think he was an alien as well. And uh, he actually plays the Messiah. So that is a, uh, a black man uh, playing the Messiah. And that's all really, it's all a great little civil rights, uh, Christian Jew a fusion altogether. And in fact, uh, when the miracle occurs, I don't want to give too much away. The little boy actually says, Merry Christmas. It's Christmas, etc." And, um, and this, of course, I remember when this episode, Yitzchak, was shown because I was an 11-year-old boy watching it at home and saying, I can't believe it. I'm watching a show about a Jewish fellow and it's Christmas and it's Hanukkah and they're talking about things. And, and I, again, I remember watching it like yesterday. And it was actually shown during Hanukkah 1971 is when uh, the program aired. And I remember how, how incredible it felt to me at the time. And I have seen it over many, many times over. And I think it's a very good lesson as to what America thought Judaism was going to be like in the 1970s, in the early 70s, late 60s. Where was the arc of Judaism going? And it was going to a place where it would be fondly remembered, where you had unique little characters, but ultimately it would be part of uh, uh, a vision of utilitarian universalism. There wouldn't be any specific identity other than the, you know, it was just a, 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 a biographical fact that this guy came from Poland. But ultimately, what it's all about is, you know, goodwill towards men, a universal, total um, uh, smearing over of the uniqueness of religious Jewish life. Yeah. And, 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 and I think when you see it, and you realize how that did not happen. So I want to contrast that to another possibility, as we're talking about television programs and not movies today. Um, an episode of, uh, a, a, I think, one of the great television series of all time, um, The X-Files. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, David Duchovny, who I think is at least, uh, I, I know his father's Jewish. I'm not sure if his mother is. But uh, David Duchovny and, uh, and, and Gillian Anderson's starring roles in The X-Files. And one of the, uh, I think it was in the second season, they have a uh, version of the Golem story yeah. called Kaddish. Yeah. And uh, you, you've seen it, right, Yitzchak? Yeah, I saw that in Ezra Academy, too, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, when I, even though, you know, it's, 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 it's really, uh, a, a, it's really a, a, a motif of the Golem story, but it, there, Judaism is already, hmm, it's, it's something mystical, it's something different, there's something, uh, there's almost something, uh, you know, grand gingle about it, there's a horror aspect of it, of I mean, what's going I remember when that came out, and people in shul talking about it, and then I saw it subsequently, and, you know, the guy who sat in front of me in shul was very upset because, and I, I, I remember, you know, what he meant about it was how it kind of seemed kind of, you know, not just mystical, but almost scary and spooky in the shul, you know, like everybody was all, you know, dressed very Hasidish, but they pronounced the, the uh, Havaris Fardit, and then in the end, the... Uh, the well, well, look, you know, they, they had to make their... <laughs> and they were all, if you remember, they were all wearing tefillin like the Karoyim. If you take a look at yeah. it, their, their tefillin yeah. was, you remember that, the tefillin was right in between their eyes. Yeah. But the point, though, I think is, is that if you watch that film, which was in the 90s, you see in 20 years, Judaism didn't become assimilated. 
In other words, from Judaism wasn't the Edward G. Robinson, you know, um, you know, accept everybody and, you know, just eat a bagel. But basically, it, it, there, there was a turn through Chabad and others and through the Tshuva movement where there was actually a thriving orthodoxy with its own mystique. And, and which, of course, you know, could then be mined by the writers of the X-Files for, you know, possibly maybe the golem again lives. Maybe the, 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 the morale's descendants, in a sense. Isaiah, the morale. Yeah, I'm a descendant from the morale. So. I'll tell you, this makes me think of an arc of the classic, it's a Yom Kippur movie, of course, of how, you know, the various remakes of the jazz singer from the beginning, where at the end, you know, uh, Al Jolson's father dies and the mother comes to listen to him, uh, uh, you know, uh, doing his jazz singer routine after he does the Kol Nidre, whereas when Neil Diamond did it, his father survives and comes and, and is able to celebrate, you know, all the things that he was fighting against. He tore Korea. Uh, remember one of our uh, patients in the mental hospital when his father died, I taught him how to tear Kriya and he remembered that from the Neil Diamond jazz singer. That was his... Uh, that was Neil uh, Diamond and Lawrence Olivier playing the... Yeah, Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> Lawrence Olivier. You cannot get more Goyish than yeah. Lawrence Olivier. And here he is playing a Jew there and of course in the boys from Brazil uh, playing a Simon Weisenthal figure. So, um, so But then, then you have the Simpsons did the same story with the uh, with of course of course with Jackie Mason and Krusty yes and, well Krusty's yeah you, you, it's not it's no fair using Krusty I'm saying Krusty is Krusty's too good to quote over here as a as yes. a Hanukkah story but you're right well, I I would if you want to throw in again if you want to throw in another um, heartwarming I'm not sure if it has anything to do with Hanukkah at all or or, or Christmas but Krusty's um, rapprochement with his dad. I think is definitely right. I think it's in the it's in the second season of The Simpsons. I believe so, right? I think that's the third season. And then there was another one later where he had a bar mitzvah, and and he really he's like becoming more or less from. He's you know he's he's learning. He can't mix meat and milk and everything, and and it's kind of a continuity between that earlier episode and the one that was maybe around I don't know the twentieth season or so. And but the point that I'm saying is that how. That same thing that you're saying here is how, you know, you go from the 20s when, you know, the whole thing was, you know, assumed. Like AB's Irish Rose. The whole yeah. idea was to become the melting pot was to really, yeah. let, you know, let, let's own up to the fact that we speak it with the Yiddish accent. But of course, what we need to be is become like Tony Roberts in, in Messiah of Mott Street, which is, or like the grandson we need to become part well, of like America. Diamond in, in the jazz singer, as opposed to Al Jolson, the jazz singer. But then in the end, Krusty the Clown really becomes, uh, even though he doesn't stick as the Balchuva, but he becomes more or less the kind of a, an archetype of a Balchuva. Look, uh, look, you know, again, without getting too serious, this is what's happening in the 90s and identity politics. Listen, there isn't this idea of, you know, uh, there's this whole idea of, of, of respecting differences. And it's come to almost to an extreme way. But part of it is really recognizing that, no, it, we aren't going to uh, just, you know, meld together and, you know, we're going to have one giant holiday. Uh, there is going to be uh, a, a sense of not only respect, but understanding that there's going to be certain uh, differences, which you have no right to ask the person to give up. And I think that is what, you know, the, the episode of the, of the, of the X-Files indicates uh, as yeah. well. I think part of what 
Um, you know, it, it, you know, obviously in, in, in that episode, just to mention it again, uh, part of the, the anger, uh, uh, is, is the anger of, of, if you remember the Kala's father, you know, the yeah. Kala's father is, um, you know, is, is the one who you think is killing people because he's the one who, uh, has some sort of past. And of course, there's the anger of the anti-Semite, uh, the fellow who is trying to, to, you know, to push people to, to kill and beat up Jews. Um, so there is this, there is this sense of, you know, of radicalism and there's no. a sense, there's a sense of, um, of, of, of how, uh, too much identity politics could lead to radicalism. But then there's the, the, there's the sense, well, what do you, you, you can't really try to solve other people's problems. You can't change people into something else. And, and I think one of the lessons is you have to leave it alone. So I, yeah, I, I, this, this reminds me of another movie. It's a little obscure. I saw it one time on the CUNY channel on cable in my Bubby's house. It's a French-Canadian film from the 90s called Shabbat Shalom. Have you ever heard of this movie? Now you're making me work hard here on the program notes here. So yeah. no, Shabbat Shalom. So it's, it's, and I will. And I, it yeah. might be Hanukkah time in that because it, it was snowing, but it's Canada. It could be August and there could be snow on the ground also in Canada. But it was, uh, you know, it takes place you, in Montreal. Well, you've already got, so you've, you know, we, we got to keep it even over here. Yeah. So far you've got, you've got three four or five i don't know i'm going to throw the last one in and i think okay. this is this is an academy award winner uh written by a uh a, a, a jew who uh, escaped europe and became one of the great um directors and screenwriters in hollywood you know of course i'm talking about billy wilder and um i'm talking specifically about the apartment which i think is um although very adult theme about a bunch of men having affairs with uh and using jack lemon's apartment to have them um you know, it's really very tame uh, uh, compared to uh, films today, uh, although it was considered very adult at the time. And if you're going to watch The Absent Minor Professor, you might as well watch something that he made, I think, in the same year, where he plays a very, very different uh, character, Fred McMurray, playing a real louse uh, in the apartment. Um, and it has, um, of course, a real one, two wonderful performances, uh, Sheryl McLean and Jack Lemmon. A lot of great Ray Walston. Uh, you can always <laughs> depend on my favorite Martian uh, to come up with uh, wonderful, wonderful character lines. He's a Ray Walston was 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 never mediocre in anything that he did, even the most inane, stupid sitcoms. But I want to talk about. Uh, 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 an actor who did not get the Academy Award but was nominated, Jack Crusher, who plays the Jewish doctor. And um, I think part of that film is really, in a way, of the underdog coming back, of the underdog being slighted, and really the victory, in some sense, of the underdog. And in some way, I guess that could be a Hanukkah film, but especially Jack Crusher, who plays the Jewish doctor, who uh, um, uh, exhorts uh, Jack Lemmon's character, uh, to be a mensch. And he talks about what being a mensch is. And uh, he plays a, an incredibly dedicated Jewish doctor who who saves uh, Shirley McLean's life after she tries to commit suicide after Fred McMurray uh, says he's leaving her. And uh, Jack Crusher there does a wonderful performance showing, again, in the 1960s, uh, idea of the dedicated Jewish doctor um, who has who uh, gives forth uh, the Talmudic type wisdom, 
but he's also uh, combined with incredible compassion and concern and uh, dedication as a healer, which I guess gets us full circle here because we started talking about being compassionate and concerned uh, just like those characters for the people who are not as people in prison and others who are the needy. So despite the fact that it's not our holiday, let's keep some of that spirit from that we know that we have authentically within ourselves and let's keep it positive towards and be a light to all those around us. And if these films can help you get there, so the Sosu Sharm is probably a good place to look as well, as well as any of this, as well as any of the Sifre, Shifre Abesht or Sifre Abesht. And don't waste your time if you don't need to. But if you are taking some time off, take some of, tell us what you think of our recommendations. And we'd love to hear them in the comments. That's it by Vershen Yitzchak, a little double barreled, extra long version today of To Stir With Love. And we'll see you, Mitzvah Hashem. Hopefully, now that you, you you know what my telephone number is, you'll be able to call me, and we'll we'll try to get together next week. Okay. 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 Take care, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.